This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these are opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian, as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. <laughs> Pretty close. Tell me about your life. <laughs> Dude, tell us about your life. So, Jason, welcome yeah. to the Voices in Recovery. I almost said the Dave Leary Show. Um, <laughs> I almost been, did it. That would have been awesome. Yeah, but welcome, dude. Yeah. Uh, it's good to have you here, man. Like, I am excited because I don't know a lot about you. So, I am excited to get to know you. Cool. Yeah, So, so uh, you know... You're talking to a guy who's, you know, I'm 45, mm-hmm. um, born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, yeah, right. Ah, that's all right. You know, that's it's right. funny. So I, I just did a comedy routine the other day, and uh, and I did. It was on my bucket list, right? I actually got mm-hmm. trained, everything, and I went out there. You know, that's the great thing about sobriety, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I went out there, and I, and, uh, you know. How'd it go? The, well, one of the jokes was, I am a, I used to play professional hockey. Did you? Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe not professional, because uh, I was with the Edmonton Oilers. So. <laughs> So, you know, every, every, see, that's the punchline. So every Calgary fan's going to love that one. Yeah. Uh, But I'll get into that. I'll get into that (laughs) a little bit later. But no, originally from Edmonton, adopted from birth, Hmm. um, private adoption, my biological mother, um, and my biological father. Well, my biological mother actually used to babysit my sisters, Hmm. right? And, uh, she ended up getting pregnant, uh, with my biological father, Myron. And, um, you know, at the time, you know, just how life was, she didn't, or they couldn't make a commitment together and it killed her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just, it was tough for her. And, uh, and I, I know all this cause I have a relationship with both of them to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but you know, my mom and dad who raised me, my mom lost a son. I don't know how or much earlier, but could never have kids again. She had a rheumatic fever. She had two daughters and, uh, my mom and dad always wanted a boy. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so just how things work out in my life, that was the beginning of how things started, right? It's just here I am to this wonderful family who uh, who loved and cared about me. But, you know, as time gone, went on and, you know, I became aware of what my surroundings and what was going on. Well, my dad had a problem mm. with alcohol, right? He really did. And um, in that family, there seems to be a gene in, in that side of the family where, you know, some people are susceptible to, to drinking and addiction and um, and I didn't really understand it you know it just I just I recognized the fact that this man um, changed mm-hmm. you know he changed when he was drinking and when he wasn't drinking right and you know I, I saw that growing up and a lot of things happened but even my 
my first, you know, my dad, I, he was abusive with my mother and, uh, abusive with me, mm. you know, physically and stuff. And, uh, you know, until I got big enough, that never happened again, but yeah. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so I have, I have a soft heart really for anybody who's in an abusive relationship mm. with, uh, with a man. And like, I could never hurt a woman in my life. You know what I mean? It's just how I was raised just to see that. Um, but it was when he was drinking, it was never when he was sober. Mm. Um, and I always swore, you know what? I'm never going to be like that. I'm never going to be that man. I'm never going to be that person that, you know, is going to get so messed up where I'm going to hurt somebody, you know, already thinking about this when I'm, you know, seven years old, mm. you know, just wow. and watching this. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, getting a little bit older and hanging out with some people, you know, I tried, I think I had my, uh, actually seven or eight, I should say, I was at a wedding with my, my cousin and I'll never forget. I, th I think it was around that age, but you know, we were out, uh, he, this guy, you know, he found a way to make money. And I, even at eight years old, he's like, Hey, let's Jason, let's go and clean up the glasses and see if we can get a couple bucks for doing that. Well, as we're doing it, he's taking sips and he's like two or three years older than me. Mm -hmm. So that was my first experience having a couple drinks. Right. And then, He's got a little bit older and uh, still watching my dad do his thing and other family members do their thing, you know, hanging out with some people who then wanted me to try having a drink. Mm -hmm. You know, it's where we're at today and how things are. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine the pressure there is to try stuff and how much stuff is out there. But for me, it was just having a drink back then. Yeah. Right. And just trying it and tasting it and seeing how I, and I hated it. You know, I was an athlete. At least I thought I was. I, you know, on me, it was sports, yeah. whether it was soccer, it was, uh, Hockey obviously was a big thing in my life. I played fastball, you know, golf, whatever. I was always involved in athletics, and you know, and obviously a reason for that was, you know, wanting to be away from home. I didn't want to see the arguments. I didn't want to see the fights. I didn't want to see. Um, I didn't want to see that, and I tried to shelter myself by sports, um, but still, I knew I knew it was there, right? So, <clears throat> hanging out with some guys and whatnot, and like I said, trying trying alcohol. I didn't. I hated it. I really, truly did until I remember my really first time really getting loaded. I was like seven, 16, 17, living at that time. We ended up moving to Saskatoon from Edmonton uh, on a change. I can't even remember why we did it, but uh, as a family, we, me, my mom, my dad went. My sister stayed back in uh, in Alberta and, you know, I, w I went to high school out there, but, um, <clears throat> I you know, I went on. It was already pre-planned. I knew I was going to go out and I was going to drink and, you know, I was kind of excited about it. I got excited for this and, and, you know, I was out at the bar and I, you know, I don't remember how three cheers was, but they had that center bar, right? Uh, oh, or our cheers, sorry, cheers, the moon, the, the sort of the TV show, oh, yeah, yeah. like Sam Malone and all that. And they had, you yeah. know, everybody knows your name and blah, blah, mm -hmm. right? So they had that center bar. This place was called Confetti's and I just remember going in there and starting off the drinking and, uh, and I, and I liked it. I loved it. I loved how it made me feel, you know, and then they had games where they spin the wheel and, you know, musical chairs. And every time you won something, yeah. you know, you got it. You, you were able to get a free drink. I tended to win. <laughs> you know, it was easy for me to push somebody out of the way to get that chair. I got really good. That's really good. <laughs> Let's have another drink. <clears throat> so, and the point why I'm bringing it up about the, um, about the bar and how it was shaped uh, in kind of that square circle where you just walk around the whole thing was I remember near the end of the night, there was a couple of girls from my school and there, you know, I had no more money at that point of the night. And I'll never forget one of them was like, Hey, you know what? I wouldn't mind having a couple of drinks. I'll go, I'll be right back. So I go to the bar and I'm already toasted and I grab a bottle of vodka straight from the bar. 
<clears throat> and we go into this one area, kind of like a lounge area, where there's some couches. We were drinking it straight out of the bottle. And that was my first experience. Mm. And I was trying to think about this prior to coming, but that was legit my first experience. And uh, it was, like I said, I was already planned. I was going to stay at my friend's house that night, and they were okay. And uh, But as soon as I got out of the bar, it kicked in. It, that feeling of just, I'm going to pass out. Like, mm. you know, I had no control emotion sickness everything right so my buddies were like hey just hold hold, hold it together jay you know we're gonna get you back to my place and <clears throat> you know it's cold probably in the winter time three four feet of snow and um i just remember my buddy saying we're almost there we're almost there and i go man you gotta pull over <clears throat> and by the time he did and he opened the door i started from one side to the other side by the time throwing up of course mm-hmm. uh, to the other side and when the door was open there was nothing left <laughs> so, <laughs> that was it that, that yeah. just that didn't work out so good for him and for me to be quite honest um you know he dropped me off at home and when i walked I, i'll never forget this i walked I, I walked out of his vehicle and i dropped in front of my house and i started doing snow angels right in the front mm-hmm. it's like an idiot right and he picked me up brought me to the back door and I remember grabbing my key and uh, trying to put it in the window and, of course, waking my mom up, right? Mm-hmm. And they just left. As soon as the lights went on, gone. Bye. See ya. Yeah. And there's my, my mother, this wonderful, you know, wonderful woman uh, at the top of the stairs looking at me. And she's like, have you been drinking? And I'm like, no, mom. No, no, no. Filet of fish, McDonald's, never mm-hmm. again. Right, and I walked down the stairs. That's, that was my excuse. Poor fillet of yeah, fish. The fillet of fish got me, mom. Never again. I'll never forget that. And I walked down the stairs in my room, and I was done. Like I've never, I've never been. Well, probably have. Yeah, many times. I don't remember, but that just that sickness of drinking that vodka and downstairs. And my dad knew exactly what I was going through. He comes downstairs. He puts a bucket beside me, a glass of water. He goes, "We'll talk later." Because my mom wanted him to light me up, right, and give me all kinds of trouble. And mm-hmm. um, I just, uh, I'll never forget, I never got out of bed till 10 o'clock to go to the bathroom, barely. Uh, but I had that puke bucket there. But I was done till 10 p.m. the, the next night. Oh, wow. Just done. I couldn't do anything. And, um, and that's what set it off for me. And the fact that I was that young <clears throat> and um, able to recover mm-hmm. quick, that, that memory of drinking like the vodka i never touched again so i wanted to try other things yeah but i was excited to go try other things right that memory of that pain left me so quick mm-hmm. once i healed once i you know i could walk straight and yeah. i was back on the ice playing hockey and it was gone like pff, whatever mm-hmm. i don't know you know what one time thing and uh yeah that one time thing not so much right because you know, now that I, I learned what I've learned in the last two years of sobriety, it's a disease and it's a progressive one. And it, it can take you to places that uh, you've never wanted to go. However, um, you know, as they say, progressing, I still was able to, you know, get through high school and, uh, and, and you know, every other weekend or whatever. But my main thing was athletics. And I think that's what mm-hmm. kept me, my longevity, I guess, of, of not getting quick uh, some people might because i had athletics involved right and mm-hmm. um you know it, it didn't hit me as quick as it might have some others when they you know when you don't have something going on in your life five days a week so maybe you call me a binge drinker maybe on the weekends mm-hmm. or one day a week um is, is how i i was right but um you know to the point where you're planning stuff around it even when i was younger right 
Um, so I went on to play professional hockey. You know, I, I had a, uh, a junior hockey career, um, you know, over three years. And I played from uh, Manitoba all the way into Calgary here. My last year a junior, I, I won a Canadian National Championship with the Calgary Canucks. Right on. Yeah, it was 95, right? 94, yeah. 95 season. It was the last year that the Cup was ever won, and they, they changed it to the Royal Bank Cup. Mm. So it's actually in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, that's cool, man. So my name is in the Hockey Hall of Fame Wow! with the Cup, which looks yeah. a lot like the Stanley Cup. It's really cool. Oh, does it? Except on the top, it's got handles. Yeah. But it is that, that silver type, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, congratulations, man. Yeah, thanks. No, yeah. that was awesome. And how I and I, I got kicked out of my last year junior, I got kicked out of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League for starting a pregame brawl. I got traded for a buck. Mm-hmm. They're like, You're done, you're never playing this league again. You started this, see ya. You know, I was an enforcer, I was a fighter, whatever, mm-hmm. right? That mentality. And uh, I remember Donnie Phelps, I called begging to come to the Calgary Canucks. I think I got traded for a buck because it had to be official. And then I go on to win the, the national championship. So it's funny, and I reiterate, you know, it started off by me being adopted, and my life was, I've been blessed, brother. Like, even mm-hmm. though lots of stuff has been going on in my life, it's, it's got me to a point to where I'm at today, this whole, these whole transitions and steps, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, going from playing on a team, getting kicked out to winning a Canadian National Championship with a group of guys mm-hmm. was an experience that I can never, ever um, explain or, or take away from mm-hmm. from my memory. Or it's hard to explain to somebody else yeah. unless you're there, right? And even that season, you know, halfway through, there was times where I remember going out drinking with guys while I was playing junior hockey, going out and getting lit, lit up and, you know, being late for uh, the bus to get to a game. Mm-hmm. But I was decent. I was a good enough hockey player where, you know, we ended up missing the bus, getting in a car, yeah. driving to Olds. Getting off, hung over as as ever, mm-hmm. and the coach still plays us and we win a game, yeah. right? Like that stuff, yeah. but you take that for granted and mm-hmm. you don't realize it, right? At the time, just it's a problem. That's a problem. That stuff shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. It just shouldn't happen, you know. And then um, I ended up playing five years pro. Uh, I got picked up by Detroit's farm team, uh, Toledo, in the East Coast Hockey League after I won that championship, or we did as a team. And, um, you know, that was, that was wild leaving home, you know, leaving everything I knew. I didn't know what I, I was really going to do with, uh, you know, after junior, if I was going to get an opportunity, but sure, sure enough, I did. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to Toledo's camp even and, uh, being out and being hung over in between tryouts and stuff because I was out at the bar, you know, just trying to go back and remember, remember, remember the stuff and, Spent my last couple bucks, right? Until mm-hmm. I got paid again. In the end, the miners, it really wasn't that much money. And I was one of the last cuts. Um, they were happy with my performance, but for some reason, you know, it was a pretty packed lineup. And they let me go. And then that's where the that's where that journey started. And off to Alaska, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I don't know if you remember that song by Journey, Midnight Train. Going oh, yeah. That one. I, I forget what it's. I have no idea. Oh, man. But you know what I'm talking Go about, right? Going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. So what's funny was leave it, leave it, leave it a train going nowhere at midnight or whatever, right? So what's funny is when they when they let me go and I got picked up by a team in Alaska, they drove me to Detroit to get on a train at midnight 
to go to Chicago to get on a plane to go to Alaska. And Journey's playing at midnight on the train as I'm going. That's why that song was one of my favorites. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It was like in the background of the train. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize how that was going to be a segue to the rest of my Synchronicity, life. Synchronicity, eh? <laughs> right? Uh, you know, that's what's funny because here's the trick that actually that's coming around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go and I, I'm off and I'm playing, but alcohol always played a part in any failure that, I, that I've had along the way. And once again, I didn't realize it at the time, mm-hmm. you know, so being traded or being let go from one team to another, it yeah. affected my performance. My performance in turn, you know, uh, got me to be traded or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, or let go from, from teams. And if I, if, if these things, if I didn't do these things, I didn't have this, this disease that I have, who knows what I could have done. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I've, I've accepted it and, but I look back at it and crazy, you know, I get traded even to go down to um, play down in uh, Reno, Nevada in the West Coast Hockey League. I think that was my third or fourth stop in two years and um, go out and get drunk, uh, you know, with the guys at a strip club. We close it, come out and I'm so lit up. I don't realize I'm peeing on a cop's foot, you know, <laughs> yeah. I get out there and we're going to the to the car to bail and Something was happening. The other guys were talking to the police. I turn around and just pff, on this cop's foot. And he's like, "Is your name Jason Carey? You play for the Reno Rage, and your, mm-hmm. your coach is Ron Flockhart." I've, yeah, apparently, yeah, I, I don't remember, but yeah. Next yeah. next day, I get into in his office and I'm traded. Mm-hmm. We were either going to throw him in, we were either going to throw him in jail or you get rid of him. That's what the cop told my coach. Wow. Right, yeah. and that's that's how in that town and how things work. Alcohol played, look at that, mm-hmm. eh? Drinking played a part yeah. in, in me being let go. And uh, ended up going to Tucson, uh, another team. They folded, got traded across. And then, meanwhile, I got my girlfriend in tow and a 1978 international scout, and I'm driving across the mm-hmm. U.S. Mm-hmm. and hitting the starter with a hammer every time I couldn't start it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? The doors don't lock. And yeah. you're in this, you're in this rebuilt vehicle that I couldn't believe some of the stuff I did when I was younger, driving across I-10 all the way from uh, Arizona all the way to uh, Macon, Georgia, mm. to play for a team called the Macon Whoopie. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh yeah, true story. The Macon Whoopie and the Ma- and Macon, Georgia, in the Central Hockey League. There's a Macon Whoopie. Uh, there was. Okay. If you were to actually Google that, yeah. the Macon Whoopie. So it was like a fig leaf. So it's a, it's Georgia, right? Yeah. So the fig leaf, I think, is the state flag. So mm-hmm. it looks like the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's how our jerseys oh, were. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then they would sell these cushions. Yeah. That yeah you know, that they called whoopee cushions <laughs> for uh, for fans who wanted to have a nice softer seat. Right? <laughs> that's awesome. So that's the minor leagues for you, right? <laughs> right on. Yeah, come play for. So the some main- of the stories are true. Then well, the minor are, leagues oh, are pretty yeah. twisted, eh? Oh yeah, come play for a team called the Macon Whoopee. Right there, yeah, bud. Yeah, just oh, <laughs> like come on, right? And uh, so Minkin, uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. And then I get tra- I got traded from there, um, and that one had nothing to do with me drinking or anything. It's just you know, it's just how it was. What team needed a bigger guy, and mm. I went to go play for Mike Krushelniski in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And um, Mike's a great guy. I don't know if anybody, if you guys recall Mike, but he played with the Oilers with Gretz. I remember the name for yeah. sure. Then yeah. he got traded to a couple different teams, LA. LA he used to call him Crusher, right? Yeah, Crusher. Yeah, yeah but oh, yeah. yeah, Crusher. Then he went from there. He went to, uh, you know, Toronto and ended up in Detroit as a coach, right? Mm-hmm. For a bit. And, he, and then he was a head coach with us. You know, that guy said, you, you know, 
I remember to him telling me and, and to, uh, to the local news that he had a guy coming in that had an opportunity. So even at that time, I had an opportunity to move up and to play in the NHL. Mm. Right. That's how, what he said. He saw that in me. Um, well, you know, during my, my time in the minors, my mom got really ill. Right. So, uh, she had her, um, her, uh, fifth open heart surgery. Oh, geez. Man. Five of them. Yeah. yeah. This one was her fifth one, uh, in the winter. <laughs> she went in, yeah, she went in Christmas, around Christmas of 1995. She went in and, uh, sorry, so that was actually my first year, first year for 95, 96. Let me just think about this. Yeah, so it would have been Christmas of 95. And then uh, 96, so I'm playing 95 seasons, going to play 96 season. Now, Christmas of 96, I had to come home because she wasn't doing well. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom, for the first time ever, came home to our house. She was at the U of A hospital for that yeah. whole period of time, right? She had ups and downs. Like, she almost mm-hmm. made it made it out, right? Um, but, uh, you know, Christmas of 96, she comes home and, you know, I got to have a little rest with my mother, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Right. I laid with her. You yeah. Know, to, oh, that's cool. Got man. to hug my mom and hold yeah. her and go to sleep. And when we woke up, I just remember her saying that she was ready to go. Mm-hmm. She goes, it's my time. I'm ready to go, Jason. And, uh, you know, I asked her if she forgave me. I didn't share this earlier, but mm-hmm. I go, mom, will you, would you forgive me? And um, she goes, why? And I said, for all the times that I said you weren't my real mother. Hmm. That, because I remember, you know, when you're younger as a kid, you say things you don't mean. Well, all the time. And um, that woman went through a lot. And that was the only thing I could ever think, I could think about at that moment was, you know, because I know she's going to be gone sooner than later. And. I straight up asked her, will you forgive me? And she looked at me and she goes, you're my son. Hmm. Of course I'll forgive you. That's pretty awesome. And I go, mom, will you, will you be my guardian angel and watch over me? And she said, of course I'm going to be. Hmm. I can't tell you how many how many times in my life that I know there's been somebody there watching over me, right? Um, so as it stood, I remember the last day I went saw her was, uh, was January 2nd um, prior to midnight. And, you know, she was, she was at that time on a do not resuscitate order. So mm-hmm. they took the, right. And last time I left her, and I stayed late. I was the last one to see her alive. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to leave her, but she wouldn't die in front of me. The, the hardest thing was to see that woman, um, my mother, struggle for breath. Mm-hmm. You know, that breathing, yeah. that, you know, they're already gone. I think it's just the body. Yeah. I think she's already she was already gone, but I think it's the body that that uh, that tries to uh, that tries to stick around. And when I got the call, I went and and that was that. My mom was gone, January third, nineteen ninety seven. So I didn't know what I was going to do with my life at that point, right? Yeah, so, no doubt, man. <laughs> however, there was a lot of there was many nights after that where drinking once again was involved, yeah. right? And, and I just that could have been man right there that could have been the end of me. And then I got a phone call. Um, facilitated through my biological father because I was friends with him. Mm. I met my biological mom and my biological dad when I was 18. Oh, okay. 17, 18. So at this time, I'm about 23, right? Yeah. So I've already had a relationship with them so for for a little while. And mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with him and, I, and he said he made a phone call to, to somebody um, and within the Oilers organization. Ironically enough, they were already kind of looking at me. They knew who I was. 
And I got a phone call like two months later, a month and a half later, after my mom died, asking me if I'd be interested in coming to Oilers camp. Mm. And of course, I hung up on him. <laughs> Not once, but three times, thinking it was a joke. Yeah, I think it was a buddy. Yeah, like, like come yeah. on. Yeah. Like me, Oilers, like that's my dream. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was there standing room only when Gretzky scored 50 goals in 50 games. Wow. Or sorry, 50, game, 50 goals in 39 games yeah. against Philly. Yeah, and my me and my dad. My dad would take me to to the games. That was unbelievable. Oh, it was incredible. Five goals, and you know, yeah. it's, and it's funny. Yeah. I say I watched, I watched some documentaries and stuff. And Gretzky said, "I'm going to get to Messier on the ride there. I'm feeling pretty good tonight. I'm going to get five goals." <laughs> he actually said it. He actually said. Get he actually said. Here. He actually. I'm going to do it tonight. I think I'm going to do it tonight. That's the kind of stuff that makes him the goat. Man. Yeah, like come yeah. on, like unbelievable, Give him the goat. like unbelievable, right? So, um, you know, my father taking me that game, that was really cool. But, uh, oh, I kind of messed up there. And now my train of thought. That's okay, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I got a phone call after my mom passed, right? And I went through all that. Then I didn't know what I was going to do. But then I got the call. And, you know, they they actually got somebody to come to the house and pick me up Mm. and bring me to the Oilers office by Kingsway Garden Mall. And uh, I got to meet, um, uh oh man, it was just Teddy Green, and uh, Kevin Pendergast was the director of player personnel, and Teddy Green was there, and Teddy Green's a hard guy, like tough hockey player, kind of mm-hmm. old school, grunting, metal plate in the head guy. Yeah. yeah, true story, right? Yeah, and he just looks, he's like, mm, pretty big, good, pretty big kid, gotta lose some weight. <laughs> <laughs> we can handle this. Sign him. Walks out of the door. Yeah. Type of thing, right? Yeah. Just like that. And I just, I was in awe. I couldn't believe that I was going to have an opportunity to walk out the Oilers' doors. That's and, pretty wild. And, and, and Or even practice and play with these other NHL mm-hmm. players, right? And, uh, and you know, so here we go. Let's continue to talk about the drinking. In camp, going out and hanging out with Kelly Bookberger, Ryan Smith, and, mm-hmm. and these guys, and, and drinking and hanging out with these guys, well, you know what, man? These guys never took it to the next. I would drink. Yeah. Like I watched it. Like, and I know, and I, I knew what I was doing, but I couldn't do anything about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I knew what I was doing. I knew that I was drinking. Like, why? Well, I'm here in the NHL, mm-hmm. and I'm at a camp, right? And I'm hanging out with the captain of the Oilers. Mm-hmm. You know, one of one of you know one of the best players in Canada at the time, Ryan Smith. Team. Oh. You know, so Captain, good, yeah. Captain Canada. Yeah. And just true professionals, even when they were out with us mm-hmm. and treated me, who's a nobody, really, just coming to campus. I was the only walk-on, I think, in Edmonton Oilers history mm-hmm. at that time. A yeah. walk-on, no draft, no nothing. Yeah. Just said, come on, let's see what you can do. Yeah. And a pro, you know, not an amateur, pro. Mm-hmm. And, but these gentlemen were amazing, right? And I, and I saw myself, I could just, I see what I was doing and I, mm-hmm. there's nothing I could do about it, yeah. right? And I didn't think that way back, I just, but I just couldn't do anything about mm-hmm. it. And uh, seeing them drinking shut it down. Yeah. Well, not me. I wanted to stay longer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, it blows my mind how this disease is and how baffling and cunning it is. And um, thinking that I'm doing myself a favor by hanging out and drinking. Go home, man. Mm-hmm. You're in the NHL. <laughs> Like, really, what yeah. are you doing? I wish I had somebody to smack me around. Yeah, no doubt. You know, um, so I understand, you know, and I can understand now what a lot of athletes go through, mm-hmm. right? And that depression, that loneliness, that, that um, you know, that drinking, and I get it now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I was the last cut. Me and Taran Sandwith, he was the captain of the, the Hamilton Bulldogs at that time. Uh, and I stuck around in camp for about three weeks. I think camp lasted. And me and Taran were literally the last two guys to get sent down to go to Hamilton. Um, I played two, uh, three exhibition games with Edmonton uh, up, up here. Uh, a couple against Calgary. He's a farm team. And um, I think Vancouver as well. And then I got sent down and played Rochester and uh, a couple times and got in a bunch of fights and, you know, did what I was supposed to do. But mm-hmm. even when I was in Hamilton, where's the bar? Yeah. Right? Like, and even Terrence, like, dude, you got to slow down, man. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't, Anybody catches wind about this, it's not good for you. You're not mm-hmm. going to, you know, and I'm sure, I bet you, any, like, they're not stupid. At that yeah. level, they got people watching. Yeah. Right? And I just... Didn't even think about the repercussions or what could happen. But once again, I was let go over there. Yeah. And they said, you know what? You want to go down to the East Coast Hockey League and play for our affiliate. We're not going to sign you to a contract, but we want to see what you can do. We want to see if, you know, they wanted to see if I would be able to implement what they want me to implement and do what they ask me to do. And so they want me to work mm-hmm. is what they want me to do. Yeah. Put in the work and you will get rewarded. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I came the thought process that I had was, uh, now I'm going to go play with my buddy mm-hmm. out in the, out in the, the West coast league for 50 bucks more a week or a hundred bucks more a week or whatever it was and go live and hang with somebody that I know and play hockey and have fun. Mm. Cause I, and I didn't have anybody to guide me. Right. But, yeah. uh, and that's the decision I made, you know, neither here nor there, but that's the choice that I made. In Reno, of all places, mm-hmm. right? Why did I want to go to Reno? Why was I attracted to that? Well, it's the gambling, it's the drinking, it's all that, right? Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't even probably about hockey at that point in my life. But um, getting let go and bouncing around to a couple other teams, I ended up meeting my ex-wife or my, my wife, you know, this girl. And, uh, you know, once I ended up getting to Fort Worth and playing mm-hmm. for uh, – for um, Mike Krusiniski, and I got, I got to meet her out there, and uh, you know, and I knew the first night at a bar at a bar on a uh, on a Sunday night called mm-hmm. the Red Jacket. Practice was Monday morning, but the boys wanted to go out, and I said, "Sure, I'll drive." And I really, I didn't really want to go out, and I didn't really drink that much that night either because I practice was in the morning and I was driving. Um, but I met her, my ex, my, my Carrie was her was her name, and um, she was a spokesmodel for Chrysler. Oh, okay. Yeah, and here I am with five of my buddies, hockey players, and she's mm-hmm. with five of her, you know, all. F- so mm-hmm. it's funny how that worked out. They knew right away we were hockey players, Yeah, except she didn't care. Yeah. Didn't want nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. So that's the girl that I wanted to hang out with. For I sure. Did, I didn't want to hang out with the For girl sure. that, that everybody else wanted to be yeah. with, right? Or, or that all the girls wanted to be with us. So it's funny because I asked the guys, you take her, you take her, you take her, you take her. So I go talk to that one. Mm. And it all it all worked out it was like a football play, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, hot, hot, and they right. think we're just big dumb <laughs> animals. That's the problem, right? Yeah. And it, it worked out. It worked out where I got some time with her, and I knew from that moment on that I I told one of my best friends who was with me, I go, uh, I'm going to marry her. Hmm. That girl, that's a woman. I'm going to marry that. That's she's that's a woman. I'm going to marry her. We hung out the next night, and from there we hit it off, and um. You know, I, I basically you know, courted, if you want to call it that. But is mm-hmm. that what they call it these days? I'm that old, eh? 
I think yeah. it's still cor- no, they it's don't call it courting, courting anymore. No, <laughs> now it's they call it tindering. Tindering, yeah, yeah right. There's no courting, uh, just tindering. No, I think there were still rotary phones back then. <laughs> there was, dude. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I spent I spent a lot of time getting more uh, long distance, and and then when the season was over, I went out to Michigan and I spent the summer with her, and I knew I knew mm-hmm. that I wanted to be with this woman. So basically. Uh, I think I, within a year, I asked her to marry me, and I started off the following season, 99-2000, uh, playing, but then halfway through, it was like, I traded a couple times, and, uh, you know, the mother-in-law was like, either you want to be with my daughter or you don't, you know, mm-hmm. career ain't going so well. Yeah. And I'm like, fair enough, you know, at 25, I stopped playing hockey, and I got uh, I got married to this wonderful, like the love of my mm-hmm. life, truly she was. Yeah. Um, a lot of day goes by, I don't think about her, I wish her the best, but. You know, her parents, uh, amazing. You know, her her mother, um, like, uh, who's that lady uh, who does all the crafts and the Christmas oh, stuff? Oh, Martha Stewart. She's like a Martha Stewart times yeah. 10, right? Yeah. And then her dad minus was Minus the prison time. Yeah, minus the prison time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she was Italian. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> Could have been some other stuff going yeah, on there. Know. But, um Her dad uh, was a... Was a a, a VP of sales for a, uh, an, um, you know, in the automotive industry, right? So he was well aware of what that industry was like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he made it quite clear to me, you know, he, he cared about me. He cared that I cared about his daughter. Um, you know, when I asked her, when I asked him, you know, to marry her, he gave me his blessing, you know, mm-hmm. and he had and no love word of a lie in the garage and he had his shotgun right there. <laughs> No, he did. Like, true story. Those Itali- days, Italian those days guy, did yeah. happen. Yeah, right. Yep. Italian guy, shotgun, dumpster over here, a cement truck over there. <laughs> Didn't know what to expect. <laughs> but he goes, you ever hurt my daughter? I go, no, enough said. That ain't happening. But then he said, listen, this industry, if you ever get into the automotive industry, hmm. he goes, this industry will eat you alive if you're not on it. Meaning I've seen guys better than you lose their, they lose their, their wife, their homes and everything because of drinking. And the entertaining there is yeah, that's in the business. It's just, it goes hand in hand, right? So uh, I ended up getting into the automotive industry, stopped playing hockey, got into the automotive industry. How do things work out? Again, once again, I meet my wife, Needle in a Haystack. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the chances? Sunday night, two different parts of the world, really, you know, hundreds, thousands, mm-hmm. thousands of miles away. And we meet in this bar on a Sunday night. Um, I go home for a visit. Um, and I'm sitting beside this gentleman the whole way. By the end of the trip, he says, I think you'd be a good fit for my company. Here's my card. Hmm. And it's a plastics company in the automotive industry, right? So when I get back, what do I do? I look him up and I'm very, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that when I want something, I go after it. Mm. And I'm just, I'm a bull, you know, I just, I'm after it. Here I am, but mm. you know, I just, nothing can stop me type of thing back then. And, um, you know, I got the opportunity to get into the automotive business. And, you know, they had tickets to everything. The Red Wings, mm-hmm. tickets to the, the Lions, eight seats to the Lions, four to the Red Wings. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State football, um, Notre Dame football, the, the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could even go to, uh, you know, the Tigers games. So there was so much. And then three private country clubs, mm-hmm. golfing, wow. right? Yeah. So like every Friday I was on, I had to be on the golf course, wasn't allowed to be in work. Mm-hmm. I had to be entertaining somebody. Wow. Doing something, right? Yeah. So I had all that. And then, of course, what a lot of guys like to do, go to the strip clubs. Yeah. You know, and I was allowed to have a spend 
account of 1% or whatever my gross sales were. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I had $8 million in gross sales. That's $80,000 that I was allowed to spend. That's quite an expense. Yeah. That's, a, that's the, like, come on, that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I never hit those numbers, but, you know, you're pushing 30, 40 grand in expenses in three months, <laughs> right? You're not yeah. spending a lot of time at home. Yeah. So, you know, what happened, right? Everything that he told me was going to happen started to happen and progress, mm-hmm. you know? And then after about three years of doing this, no kids, right? I got a house, you know, I got a wife. Uh, the kids weren't coming. And I'm questioning my my wife, like, why? Mm-hmm. You know, not looking at me. Starting to have panic attacks at this time, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, anxiety. And find out that it's directly related to my drinking. Mm-hmm. And then so I tried just because I it was like throwing noodles at a at a wall and hoping they'd stick. Mm-hmm. So I tried it just to try it. And with no intentions of, of ever stopping drinking. Mm-hmm. Just because it would make everybody happy. Yeah. That's why I'm gonna do this. And I don't even honestly I don't even remember. I think I spent maybe eleven days at a Ford Center, uh, because work allowed it, maybe two weeks. Started me off on a on a program, an AA program, and I might have went to a few meetings. Had a psychiatrist who was um, a guy that deals with people with mm-hmm. alcohol problems, right? That's specifically what he does. Who says to me, by the way, after about two or three months of me being somewhat sober, says to me, well, you're a good candidate for social drinking. <laughs> That's what he says to me. Really? I'm like, sweet. I'm in. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, right? So now I've got the green light. <laughs> Yeah. And then I'm trying to monitor myself. <clears throat> Literally, I'm counting mm-hmm. my drinks now. Yeah. You know, and I'm doing that while I'm out with her. And she's counting mine. Mm-hmm. The mother-in-law's counting mine. The father-in-law's counting what I'm doing. So I've got all this attention on what mm-hmm. I'm doing, except for when I'm out at work and doing this. So yeah. I'm, and now I'm hiding the drinks from them. I'm hiding them lying mm-hmm. to where I'm going and what I'm doing. And, yeah. you know, <clears throat> it's... uh. It was a sad situation. I never hit any bottles at home or anything like that, but I just hid what I was doing and how much I was drinking and spending. Mm -hmm. I made sure I had an account that was hidden from her and whatnot. Um, And then she backed away, you know, after about the third year, three and a half years, and just was ready for a divorce. Mm -hmm. And and I fought that tooth and nail, not wanting to leave her, but still not not getting it, right? I was young, you know, 25 Mm -hmm. through 30, and... um, you know, I didn't know anything else. I went from hockey into this life. And, uh, you know, I, I got attention from other women, not, you know, not out having intimate mm-hmm. relationships, but attention where there's flirting and stuff because I needed mm-hmm. to feel something, yeah. right? I needed, I needed self-satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'll never forget my, I mean, my mother-in-law said, no, leopard never changed the spots. My, I remember my father, my father-in-law saying, send words to me about how everything I do, I do for me. Like, Hmm. you know, he could see it. Yeah. He could see it, right? And the guy, I've got nothing bad to say about that man. Probably one of the most amazing men that I've ever met. Mm -hmm. Just heart, spirit, and soul. And God rest his soul, he's since passed away from cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I found that out on a bender Hmm. uh, about five years ago. I think five years ago, four or five years ago. And I was up for three days. I had a phone call from a friend saying, you know, this gentleman passed away. And I just remember crying in a fetal position for probably an hour and then getting up and drinking and partying some more. Yeah. Right. Um, 
but after my divorce, you know, it was just one, one thing after another from 30, you know, I'll, I'll cut to it from 30 until I was, I'm 45 today or 45 this year. April was my 45th birthday. Happy um, birthday, man. Thanks. Well, thank you. I'm 45 this year too. So uh, yeah, yeah. Nice, not till September, but 74 baby. Yeah. So I'm still older than you. Yeah. Man, you look older than me. I'm just saying. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I probably feel older than you, too, actually. Well, I'm watching you in that yeah. chair, and I'm like, oh, the poor guy, man. Look at yeah. his back, and look, at how he's, look how he's moving, and <laughs> does he need a diaper over there because he can't get up? Darcy's <laughs> laughing because I just about needed a diaper beforehand. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I got to go to the bathroom, and yeah. then, yeah, the next thing you hit him with a bomb in here, right? like it is still unloaded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's funny, so. You know, from 30 until, um, so April, sorry, July. So when I went to get sober, when I, when I hit, I know, I'll let you know about that story, but Mm -hmm. July 5th, 2017. So 43, right? Mm -hmm. I just turned 43 prior to that. And, uh, the progression of this drug or this disease, uh, you know, it wasn't just the drinking I needed hanging out with the wrong people in Detroit and stuff. After my divorce, I needed to find something. Uh, you know, I, I didn't I didn't have anything going on, right? Like that was anything that was of value. So I'm hanging out with straight up gangsters. Yeah. Like I'm talking, I'm and this is no word of and a you're lie. living in Detroit, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. So I'm downtown hanging out with a bunch of a bunch of men that are, you know, legit, legit, legit Detroit gangsters. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh and just psychopaths. And I'm getting along with them. Mm-hmm. I'm getting along with these guys and I'm packing weapons and I'm doing this and I'm mm-hmm. doing that. I never hurt anybody, right? Lucky I never did. Yeah, thank God. But I'm thinking, you know, collecting money and doing this and that. And yeah. Just stupidity, man. Lucky my life. Like, I remember going to a clubhouse with uh, this this one guy and they stripped me down naked. Mm-hmm. Literally. Make and sure then, you weren't wired away. Yeah, whatever. man. And he goes, you're lucky. He goes, there's a bin out back. You would have been, you would have been in it. Mm-hmm. You know, literally. They yeah, they don't rolled, mess around, man. They There's, rolled it in, yeah. rolled it out. And then yeah. I had my clothes said, put your stuff back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is what you're going to do for me and whatever, right? You get contact with this guy. But all that, you know, that's that lifestyle. That was scary to put myself in. I remember going to parties downtown Detroit in buildings that were abandoned. Mm-hmm. You know, high rise. Like, yeah, you know, no thanks. Yeah, no, I was there, <laughs> yeah. though. No problem. <laughs> so what they do is they'd renovate a couple floors. Mm-hmm. Right for whatever for their illicit activities, yeah. and when you got in there, it was like, guy, these guys are packing like machine guns, mm-hmm. like Uzis, man. Yeah. Like you got to get by them, frisked everything, wanded, yeah, you name it. And these are big men, like I'm talking football mm-hmm. players. They're like offensive linemen that are, yeah. It was crazy, and then you go in, and then normal people are in there, or somewhat normal, but drugs everywhere, yeah. You know, prostitution going on, everything, yeah. And I was, and I was in that seedy back scene. I, I knew what it was all about, and I and I got there by myself. I found my way in. Yeah, it like just wild when I go back and I think about it. Lucky to be out of that lifestyle. I mean, I remember going out one night, um, well, uh, just after my divorce, and going to meet a girl and um, drinking, and uh, I was tired that night and coming home and falling asleep. Mm. Now, about a month prior to that, I had a uh, a dream. That I was going to go, uh, I was coming, I fell asleep at the wheel. Just before I opened my eyes, I hit this, like, hey, there's an overpass, right? Okay. You know how an overpass, then you go underneath, mm-hmm. right? So 
you can you keep going underneath or you can go off on onto the the over you know onto yep. that highway so in my dream i woke up just before i hit the bridge so we're not going underneath mm-hmm. not going right going straight through the grass to hit the bridge yeah and before i woke up i said i hope you're happy mm. and then i and then i and then in my dream i obviously died or whatever mm. right? i think i hit the bridge and but i hope you're happy was my thinking about my ex-wife mm. right a mm. month later i'm coming down and i'm going to an overpass and i and i fall asleep and before i go to the to the grass and i go to hit the bridge something picks up in the back of my hair my head mm-hmm. i don't know what it was and i hit the brakes and i rolled in the ditch in my tahoe and uh shards of glass blew by me and nothing hurt me hmm. not not a thing man not one thing nothing and i remember getting out uh engine still on i don't know how long i was unconscious if i was i don't remember uh engine still on i shut it off had enough you know Oh my god! I don't want my car to blow up. Shut it off. Undo my seatbelt. Fall to the to the the roof. Uh, get out, uh, and I, I was loaded. I was loaded, mm. and I tried to run up a bank, and there was an officer. Where are you going, son? And uh, I remember I just bought these brand new sandals, and they got sucked into the swamp. Oh, that, that, that was my. That was how man. I was like, that's what I remember. Mm. Man, I just lost my sandals. Not that my car. <laughs> not that the, my car just got mm. totaled. I could have died. I fell asleep at the mm-hmm. wheel. It's my bloody sandals were in the sw- were in the ditch. Yeah, and they were stuck there. And then, uh, and then yeah, the cop writes, "What happened?" Oh, I'm like a deer came across the road. Yeah, I think is what I said or something. And then I hit deer. Yeah, right. So they did a breathalyzer, and I went over and took me to jail. And uh, you know, I had a friend come pick me up and did my did my service and stuff that I had to do with that and. Um, one of the, you know, being one of those people I had to go to, uh, to meetings mm-hmm. and get a court to sign and stuff and still didn't get it. Yeah. Getting divorced, got divorced. Um, you know, tried to work on it, didn't care, just did it to please people. Almost die in that instance. Could have quite easily, but still don't do anything about it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem. So this isn't an issue. Yeah. I don't have a problem. You got a problem. Thanks for signing this, right? And you seem pretty like normal to me. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't right. notice anything yet. So. <laughs> no, 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 nothing. <laughs> nothing, right? Yeah. Um, and then bouncing from job to job to job. And then, you know, going from playing hockey at 240 pounds to, you know, 500. Hmm. 500 pounds, man. I was 500 pounds come. Uh, that's July 5th, uh, when I, when I decided to do what I decided to do, like move, move on. But, um, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Walking up and downstairs, hanging out with the wrong people, mm-hmm. selling, selling illicit stuff for three years, thinking that this is the way of life and getting back in that mentality of the way I was in Detroit mm-hmm. and thinking that this is the lifestyle. This is going to do me well. And being around people that just fed that ego. Yeah. Right. And then I fed theirs too, you know, and mm-hmm. lying, cheating, stealing and all that, all that stuff. Um, you know, just hanging out with some really bad people and always looking over my shoulder. Yeah. That is just the worst feeling. It's horrible. Like to continually have to worry about the decisions that you've made while you were drunk and don't mm-hmm. remember nothing. Like I remember one time uh, going and uh, going out with some guys running around drinking, just pick 
hanging out with these guys that I just met from a fish restaurant or I don't know, it was mm-hmm. a, this place in the Northeast. Yeah. It was just open at midnight. I go there, I end up grabbing these guys, let's go back to my house. Go drinking, right? Or whatever. Let's have some drinks. They ended up leaving. I wake up in the morning and, you know, sobered up. Get in or the next afternoon, whatever, I can't remember. Get into my vehicle. And in the seatbelt, in the the passenger side seat, seatbelted in is my right fender. (laughs) I'm like, so I have a new new passenger. (laughs) Yeah. I have no idea how it happened. Mm -hmm. None whatsoever. Oh. So my right fender's off my tire Mm -hmm. and it's right there. And then I try to replay replay what happened. Finally, I got a hold of one of the guys. They're like, "Yeah, man, you hit uh, you hit a, like one of those little red red poles that are in the parking lot." Mm-hmm. You went out and said, "Don't worry about it." Grabbed it and flew home. <laughs> I just so this is the the chances that I took, mm-hmm. right? Just an idiot. Um, you know, and it got to the point where I couldn't even walk up a flight of stairs. My, you know, in the bedroom, my. Uh, uh, you know, where I keep my clothes and stuff uh, on top. It's a mound of old bottles, mm. food that's never been eaten, mold, bugs. Right? I, I actually lived in a really nice place. Um, but it was horrible. And I, you know, and I just, I didn't know what to do. Mm. I didn't know what to do. I really, I was like, I didn't want to wake up. Mm. You know, I, I, I didn't have enough strength to, um, to pull the trigger, but I thought every time that I drank that, uh, you know, I hope that I wouldn't wake up. Yeah. Right. I, I just wanted the pain to go away. Mm. That was really what I wanted. I literally call people to come and I give them money because I was shaking so bad. My heart was racing. Yeah. To go and get me liquor, booze. I needed it. I couldn't live mm-hmm. without it at this point. I literally couldn't live without drinking. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stop and just drink water. I couldn't even drink water. I couldn't eat. They try to have a bite to eat or something. It just wouldn't go down. It was, and even the liquor at that point was getting to be bad. I didn't know what to do. And I just, I held my Bible and I prayed and I asked God for help. And uh, he brought me a friend of mine. And she sat at the end of the bed and she looked at me and she goes, well, she goes, I'm going to take you to Renfrew. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow morning, you be ready at 730. If you're not ready, I'm never, ever coming back again I said I'll be ready 100% mm-hmm. I literally went down and slept I unlocked the door slept with my head you know so when the door opened if it hit me in the head I'd wake up yeah like that's how scared that's I was planning man yeah. right like planned to to leave yeah um, didn't sleep that much that night and uh, woke up my last drink and my last drug was 7.35 in the morning mm-hmm. on July 5th of 2017, and I made sure it was a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, did I ever? Because I didn't know how long I was going to be at at Renfrew before they they fed me with the drugs that were going to help me stop shaking. Mm-hmm. So I made sure that I had a nice drink before I left. And I got there just at 7:59, and the security guard wasn't going to let me in. Oh man! Because <clears throat> they said eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And they're strict. They're very strict. Yeah. And she she lost her mind. Mm. She's like that, you know, F this, F that. You told me and look at the time and hold on, mm-hmm. let me go talk to the nurses. They let mm-hmm. me in. 14 people were there. Wow. They had to interview 14 souls that were all struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I laid my story out in the line and to them and 
told him I was drinking it. And true story, drinking a 40 of vodka a day, mm-hmm. chasing it probably with uh, six to 12 beers and doing, you know, cocaine mm-hmm. with it, right? Um, I was in a bad way. And, uh, you know, they, they called one name. They, they said to everybody, 14 people, we, can, we only have room for four. I was just, I prayed. It's so. a harsh reality, man. It is, yeah. man. I knew that if I, if I, if I, if I didn't get picked, I, pr- I probably, I don't know what would have happened, but one name get picked, another name gets picked, somebody else. And then the last name was me. Hmm. And I literally got down to my knees and I cried on that floor <clears throat> in the, in the waiting room at uh, Renfrew. I mm-hmm. don't know if you ever, yeah. anybody's ever been there here, but. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was the beginning of my journey, walking through those doors and seeing all these kind people that uh, that only wanted to help, right? And um, I literally, you know, I, my heart started like they they give you meds mm-hmm. to help control the stuff. Yeah, but I was so weak and depleted, and and I'm a big guy, like five hundred mm-hmm. bills, right? Come on. And even trying to get up and walk to the bathroom, yeah. like it's probably 15, 20 paces from one end to the other. And I was on the other mm-hmm. one and well, they had to move me to literally beside the bathroom Yeah, because I had no, like it took five people. Like I thought I was going to pass out or die mm-hmm. uh, on the way back from the bathroom because yeah. my heart rate was so elevated and I, it was crazy. I thought sometimes they actually send people to the hospital right oh yeah because uh, sometimes alcohol kills people when it- and that's that's I'm, and i was worried about that yeah i literally she goes you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay I, she kept telling me that nurse never forget her face and i'm like i feel like i'm gonna die like this is not right how this feels <clears throat> like i was that was just the worst seven days of my life right there yeah. right going oh, through shit. going through that and finally on day seven i was able to eat something and keep it down and walk a little bit, um, mingle with some other people and watch a little TV. But I think I slept for five and a half days straight, mm-hmm. literally, oh, while I was God. there, right? And that was in the the medical side. Yeah. Like, it wasn't in the other area where it's just normal, mm-hmm. where you're getting better and then you can go. You were still in the medical I was side. still in the med yeah. side. They were watching me through a window, man. Yeah. Um. So that wasn't fun whatsoever. And then I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm coming here. I detox now what? What's my next? What's my next plan, right? Yeah. And uh, they have a counselor there, right, to go and talk to. Mm-hmm. So they told me about this place called 1835. Right on. And uh, while I was there, I'm like, well, I got to do something. So I called 1835 to get an interview, and they interviewed me. And uh, I am so thankful to Al- Alberta uh, Works. Yeah, Alberta, uh, you know, and how they. For people can might bash the system, but it saved my life, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know why I got lucky. And if I don't know if it is even if it is if it is, if it is luck, I just know that I was taken care of when I went in and ran through. They told me where to go, what to do. Everything that was suggested of me, I listened mm-hmm. because I surrendered. That was it. I enough. I'm a former pro hockey mm-hmm. player for crying out loud. I'm somebody, you know, these are my thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. you're not a weak individual, yeah. but it gripped me, it got me, and it took me. So what can I do, you know? And then I I get accepted into 1835, and 
I could barely walk up the stairs, man. Mm-hmm. You know, my first chore was doing the dishes, and that's how they weed people out over there. Yeah. It's a true story. Is it? Oh, man. They give you on the dishes right away. That's the hardest job. You got to yeah. do them five times a day. Wow. Right? Not yeah. only that, five times a day and doing dishes, and you got two hours in the morning in a meeting, two hours in the afternoon in a meeting, one hour at night in a meeting, then you got to go to an outside meeting. Hmm. So you're literally one, two, three, four, five, six hours a day, five days a week, you're in meetings. Yeah. So you want to talk about getting inundated with AA? Oh, yeah. Okay. And that's what I needed. Mm. I needed that. Uh, I needed to humble myself, listen, do what was suggested of me in order to get better. Um, but I still had my will, right? Because it was the mm-hmm. beginning of this recovery. Yeah. So I was just learning about it. But I'll tell you, if, if I was a person with how bad I was that just went into AA and thought I was going to get it, it never would have worked. Mm-hmm. I needed treatment. Yeah. I needed hard reality. So I ended up, uh, you know, a month there and then you have to work to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I'm in no shape to do anything. So I'm scared that I'm going to be let go and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to have to find them. What am I going to do? Well, man, if I wasn't blessed again, hmm. I call up my old job at uh, Tower Chrysler, yeah. which I got canned from three years prior. And I asked him, I said, I, you know, I need a job. This is where I'm at in my life. And uh, I'm wondering if you give me a second chance. And the manager said, come on in. I want to introduce you to our general manager. And I did meet our general manager who uh, who also understands the program and, and what it's about. And it was, uh, it was like, hey, if this is where you're at and this is what you're doing, I'll give you a second chance. Nice. And, um, you know, I, I was taking the bus. I never had a vehicle. Uh, I was able to pay my bills um, and doing what was suggested to me, mm-hmm. which was getting a sponsor, uh, get, uh, reading the big book and uh, working the steps and doing things daily. So, you know, now I talk to people about I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I am doing it, right? Yeah. It's no more I should have, I could have, or just give me a little bit more time, mm-hmm. you know, or what can I do today to progress to tomorrow? Yeah. What can I do today to progress to tomorrow? Well, in two years, um, you know, where I'm at and literally July 5th mm-hmm. of this year that coming up next month is my two years. Nice. Yeah. That'll Congrats, be man. Thanks brother. Yeah. This is, this has been a blessed life so far. Right. So, um, you know, starting off doing what was suggested 1835 for six months, uh, working continuously at Tower at Tower Chrysler, mm-hmm. um, then moving into the Oxford House. So what am I going to do after 1835? They had mm-hmm. their housing was full. Yeah. So the Oxford House, right on. Right? And that because I knew I wasn't ready yet. Did you get connected with Earl there? Yeah, yeah. man, Earl Jaron. Yeah, you know that feels good, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable group of people over there. So, you know, they explained the rules and what, what had to be done and how, how the life was to live there, and I needed that. Mm. I still needed structure. I needed to be around like-minded people, and I needed to do the steps again properly, though. Yeah. Because when, even when I was at 1835 and I did them over there, I didn't do them properly. Mm. Six months, I should have been done uh, step 12, and I think I, I didn't even get past four. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right? Well, I was there, but uh, I told people I did. Mm-hmm. Right? Pleasing, you know, people pleasing and still living life my way. But getting into the Oxford house, um, buying a vehicle, you know, a beater that I bought off a friend and uh, 
living five minutes from work, finding a sponsor, a different gentleman, and then working the steps, really, really working the steps hard, mm-hmm. um, you know, into that first year of sobriety after the six months. Yeah. So 2018 was, was a great year, man, mm-hmm. for me. I was number one in sales at Tower Chrysler. Right on. I'm glad you brought it up because I'm there. <laughs> if you need a vehicle, <laughs> hey, if you need a vehicle, let me know. But it's not Tower Chrysler. I'm actually working now at Country Hills Volkswagen. Country Hills Volkswagen. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Go get your Volkswagen. <laughs> hey, man, you got that DJ voice. Farfig Nugent. <laughs> das Auto. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So 2018, I was number one in sales over there. At uh, Tower, I became a you know part of the Chairman's Club, you know free flight to Vancouver and celebrate and whatever and sober everything's sober. Um, blessed blessed to be able to do that, but even worried when I went out to Vancouver that I was going to be around all that stuff mm-hmm. by myself. I had a plan. I went to meetings when I was there. Yeah. I called my sponsor when I was there. I already pre-planned what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't feel comfortable, walk. And I did. I'll be honest with you, man. People rarely fuck up when they have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. They rarely do, yeah. man. When you make a plan, you rarely fuck up. And then I went to bed and I woke up and I'm like, man, I got through that. Wild. So that was one day though, right? Yep. So I needed another day. It's kind of like, that's how my days would go. And I wake up and I'm grateful. I make my bed. I meditate and I pray and I, I, I you know, wash and repeat. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I could say it's that simple, but really, it is that bloody simple, man. It is. Wake up with gratitude. Mm-hmm. Appreciate what you've been able to do the day before. You're alive. Yeah. You know, I'm alive. Appreciate where I'm at today. And I live in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I live in the moment. Like, I was really looking forward to coming here and talking yeah. to you. I appreciate what you do. Uh, I don't know how big your audience is, but... You know, I prayed on it today when I, uh, when I, when I left home this morning, I'm like, you know, I asked God and, you know, cause it's spirituality is huge in this program. Right. And if I can reach out and help some one person by doing this, Mm -hmm. that's, that's my drive. Yeah. Coming here and talking to you has nothing to do about ego Mm -hmm. for me. It has everything to do about helping others. Mm -hmm. And even being able to tell my story helps me. Right. Yeah. And it helps others too. Yeah. 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 And I've, and I've, that's why. On Facebook, for example, mm-hmm. you know, I put, I do a lot of posting. Mm-hmm. I talk about my weight loss journey. I talk about uh, you're doing you're kicking ass with that too. Buddy. Yeah, yeah. How is that going? What's uh, your progress on? Okay, so started keto. Yeah. Uh, so I was like I said, 500 pounds in, um, you know, July 5th of 2017. Uh, I weighed myself a couple of days ago, 405. Nice man. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, and since I've been on keto, about seven pounds, right, yeah. in a week crazy well so we'll see monday where i'm at hopefully i I'm, yeah. i can't wait to get under to see the 300 and something no doubt my goal is 240 yeah it's a long ways away but as long as i yeah. as long as i do what i as long as daily daily right so one I'm really, day at a time right that's it man yeah so it's still in my head it's funny because when i was off on my diet for a couple months mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you know, those Timbits are fine. You know, yeah. you play these games with yourself. Like, yeah, I'm going to go buy six cookies and I'm only going to eat one. Buddy, that's just like going to the bar. I'm gonna have a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought six cookies, right? I never forget this. I went to, I think it was Subway. I bought six cookies and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put it right here in my drawer and I'm just going to eat the one. Mm-hmm. You know, 15 minutes later, I'm just going to have a bite of the second one. <laughs> well, by the end of the day, they were all gone and I just laughed. Mm-hmm. I go, I'm an addict. Yeah, man. I'm an addict. 
I just went on a drive with my partner. We went out to Black Diamond. Yeah. Got, we each got three cookies. Mine were gone in five minutes. I was like, literally, I'm, and I said, I'm going to try to stretch this out. I like yeah. these cookies. They're so good. And the next yeah. thing you know, I'm like, bah, 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 crumbs in my beard. And, yeah. yeah. The last yeah. one, they were chocolate chip, right? And some, by the last cookie, I was just licking the chocolate chips, mm-hmm. thinking that, man, this is going to really last. No, come on. Who am I? <laughs> Oh I'm only going to lick the chips. Yeah, I'm just going to lick the chips this time. <laughs> like, there's no, there's a new excuse yeah. for every cookie, right? Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> right? So, here I, here I am today. Mm. Today, I am an active member of society. I have money in the bank. Mm. I got a, I, I'm rebuilding my credits. I've got a vehicle that I'm making payments on. I've got a credit card that I'm making payments on. I've made amends uh, to numerous people. I am trying to live an amends for my ex-wife mm. and for any other woman that I come across. Yeah. Um, you know, my mother would be proud of me today. Mm. My family's proud of me today. That's pretty special. Man. Well, it's come a long way. I read it. My sister's in, in Edmonton, um, my sister April, and, 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 you know, she never, she just didn't want to trust me. Mm. And could I blame her? No. Yeah. You know, she just... And I mean, just I lo- my family loves me so much. And finally, you know, not finally, in her time, my brother-in-law said, give her time. My sister, my other sister, Holly said, give her time. And um, last time I was out there, you know, when my niece had a, my niece had a baby, mm. right? And oh, I congratulations. Remember, thank you. And I remember. You're like a great uncle. <laughs> What's that? You're a great uncle. Well, yeah. Holy that's, shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that was old, right? Yeah, dude. <laughs> You're saying I'm old. Yeah, Barely. Yeah. Great uncle. True story. Great uncle. Um, wow. And I, my, my, my niece, Kristen, so she's like 30 now or 29, 30. And to this day, she's still, I go, what do you say? She goes, I love you, Uncle Jason. <laughs> to this day. Like, so I had her say, I had her brainwashed yeah. early. So, and I started that with her kid now. <laughs> right on. Let's, let's see if that works out. Not talking yet, right? Just yeah. still crawling and spitting and. And doing whatever, but hopefully she's, you know, her, her yeah. baby will say, I love you, Uncle Jason, too. But Were you able to reconnect with your sister who you were having trouble with? Or? Yes, that's yeah. the beautiful thing that I was going to come to yeah. was that, you know, going there and being available when my when my niece had her baby, I was there the next day. Mm-hmm. Now, an active addiction, addiction, that would never happen. Yeah. So when, when things come in in life, when life happens and you live life on life's terms, you can react properly. Yeah. So you can do things and you're ready for them. Um, or I'm ready for them, right? But uh, when you're when I'm in addiction and I'm drinking, um, things come up and I can make excuses till I'm blue in the face. Yeah. And that just your accountability is sh- is for shit. Yeah. Like you got nothing. You have absolutely nothing. No accountability. People don't care. Like they were waiting for the phone call mm-hmm. that I was dead. Yeah. They were waiting for it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So to be able to make those amends, be able to do these things, to be able to get my sister to say that she trusts me, um, you know, and how much she loves me, like that was huge. And I just got back from Florida to go visit my biological father. Yeah, I was going to say, you just got back from a trip. Yeah, I was out in Florida and I went and I met with my biological father for, and I didn't even realize this, that when I booked the ticket, because it was Mm -hmm. me and my sister, half-sister April. Yeah. Totally different family, right? Yeah. And my half brother Casey out there in Florida, mm-hmm. and there. Oh, that's my, who you were visiting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Myron, Myron moved out to Florida. Had another family. Yeah. Right. So I got here. I am, and my biological mother lives here in Calgary, mm-hmm. and she's got a you know a son and a yeah and a daughter who are my you know half brother half sister. Cool. Uh, she's not married, uh, but 
And there's Myron out there. So I didn't even know when I booked the ticket that it was over Father's Day weekend. Oh, yeah. I had no clue. I didn't, didn't even dawn on me that that's what I did. Nice timing. Come on, right? Once Way again, go, buddy. once again, <laughs> yeah. something happened in my life that was a blessing. Mm. You know, like all these God shots, it's just, it's amazing. So I got there and uh, walked in the door, got the biggest hug and crying and happy to see a son, right? But not only just happy to see a son, but alive, doing well and not, not lying. So they saw me as I went to AA meetings while I was there. I went to meetings, sorry. Yeah. I went to meetings while I was there. Say and, that. Yeah, I went to meetings while I was there and uh, pr- practiced what I normally do. Like, it's just my lifestyle now, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and then they saw, you know, I made a commitment. I followed through. I did fly there. I paid my dad money back. Mm-hmm. I made amends with every single one of them. I apologized for how I was in my addiction and, um, you know, and the, and the false promises and the lies and, but I'm here now mm-hmm. if you'll accept me. And they all did. Cool, man. Right. That was, that was a trip on levels like you wouldn't believe, except for no one shit. thing. Oh yeah. You know, I got, as soon as I landed, you know, the next day we're at a, a Rays game, Tampa Bay. That was awesome. Yeah. You know, me and my brother and my sister, wicked, you know, and a couple of days later, you know, the next day the golfing with my brother. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then we had this uh, fishing trip planned. To go deep sea fishing, you know, 50 miles off the coast, the Gulf Coast, right? Looking for marlin or whatever? No, not want marlin. It was like grouper and stuff. And, okay. But great fish, man. Good yeah. fish, good eating. Yeah. So, you know, I, I took meds prior because I get, you know, I, I think I'm a little bit, you know, ocean sickness, right? I, from my, my memory. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, and, and the boat right out there, no problem. Yeah. As soon as we stopped and the waves started going. Oh, and yeah. So, and then the, the, my, my reels in, I caught a fish right away. Everybody did. Nice. Within minutes. Pull it up, take it off. I go, I'm done. So here we are, 50 miles out of the ocean. I'm in the captain's, sitting beside the captain's chair with a bucket for five hours. <sighs> puking. Oh, Rough, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. Rough. Oh, yeah. I closed my eyes. I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand up. <laughs> Nothing. They're like, go into the water. It'll help you. No, I couldn't hear that. Yeah. I couldn't hear anything. But you know, that feeling of how sick I was mm-hmm. reminded me of drinking. Oh, I bet. Like, it brought back that memory mm. of, because that's exactly, the equilibrium was gone. Yeah. The puke bucket was there. I couldn't communicate with anybody, mm-hmm. you know. But then I was so horrible. Like, it just reminded me of that. And, uh, you know, finally when it was all over, we started moving again. And it flattened out, you know, as the engines hit. And I started to get a little bit better with the breeze on. By the time we hit land, I was fine. Yeah. Right, but I'm like, man, no, I don't miss that at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't miss. I don't like that was like a reminder, right? Yeah, it's like you wanted to go fishing there, big guy. This is what you got. Yeah, right. And it was a, it was a, it was a friendly reminder of of that lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, never again. But just to be with my family, to fly back, and <clears throat> excuse me, to fly back, be here, and get back to work, and. So, yeah, you know, I, I made amends. I've got money in the bank. I've got mm-hmm. the vehicle. I've got a great job. I'm now manager. I went from sales to management over at Country Hills Volkswagen. Oh, congrats, man. Well, that's right. Country Hills Volkswagen. <laughs> Just down Deerfoot, east on Country Hills Boulevard. We're right there. Come say hi. Now- Farfag Nugan. <laughs> we'll totally put the lake to your place, man. Yeah, your- that's cool. Yeah, we'll put it in there. I, I know. I'm just ma- I'm making Appreciate fun. Appreciate that. I'm making fun, but. Um, so, and today, what do I get to do? You know, I, I've been a couple schools, 
Uh, and I've talked to kids about my my mm-hmm. addiction, my problem, and where I come, where I was at as a professional athlete to where I, yeah. to to the fall in my life to where I'm at today. Um, I've been able to do some motivational speaking events. Uh, I had the opportunity to come onto your mm-hmm. podcast, right, and uh, continually be grateful for what I have today. I am so humbled. Uh, in two years. Outside of when I played hockey, because I did, I did pretty good at, at some points there financially. Mm-hmm. Outside of playing hockey, within two years of being sober, it's the most money I've made mm-hmm. in a career. Now, is that? Yeah. Is, is that just a coincidence? No, but people might think so. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. You know, the work that I put in, um, just like when I was in hockey, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. When the coaches, when well, you got to put in some hard work, right? Yeah. To get to to get the results that you want to have, mm-hmm. so I was practicing stuff from six years old that I was still doing in the NHL. Yeah, honestly, yeah, the I same kind of that. stuff. Yeah. So how I look at my sobriety, if I were to do a parallel, because mm-hmm. you, you only know what you know. Yeah. Um, a parallel is is my my meanings and the work that I do is my practice. Yeah. So I need to be practicing this stuff mm-hmm. daily yeah. in order to be successful. And it's just might be mind blowing to some, but to me, it's that simple, you know? And because of that, I live this extraordinarily blessed life. Mm -hmm. My, the friends that I have, such as yourself within Mm -hmm. the community are absolutely amazing. Everybody's doing good things that are working at it. That's right. Right. They all are, they are every one of us. Mm -hmm. And it, it, just by talking about it, sharing, Mm -hmm. um, not being, not having fear of success, Mm-hmm. Um, and working with others and, and having that humility and telling your story, it's, it's pretty incredible. You know, it's like you throw that rock out into the water and it ripples, you know, with what we're doing here today or what others do within meetings, it's rippling mm-hmm. and it's great. And it's creating, it's creating this, um, abundance of, of, of life changing events mm-hmm. and it's touching everybody differently. Yep. But I think in a positive way. I, I think so too, man. Yeah. I think so too. I think pe- I've I've heard enough people say that they appreciate what we're doing. Yeah. To, um, and it's it's because we get to share the stories that you and I hear every day. Yeah. If we want to hear like a story about a human being courageous, all we got to do is go down to a meeting. Yeah. Right. Go down to any group in town, and we can hear these stories. Yeah. But like people that may never walk in those rooms. For lots of reasons, right? Some are reasons of God, some are reasons of other things. Um, but for those who never come in, someone's voice might actually help them, right? Yeah. You know, I'll be honest, you know, saying that, you know, seeing you out mm-hmm. at meetings and stuff and, and watching and seeing what you do on Facebook and seeing your smile mm. is inspirational. I actually wanted to get to know you more. Oh, cool. Right? Hence yeah. why I reached out to you. Yeah. To be quite honest with yeah. you, right? I'm like, I like what he's doing. And I've, I've always found you interesting. And I, I really appreciate how quickly you started digging into living. Yeah. Right? Like when you sobered up. You didn't like mope around for a whole lot of time. You kind of got living right away. Right? I need, I, To me, I needed to. I just, yeah. I don't know what it was or I don't know what's di- you know, was different in my chem- brain chemistry. But it's like, it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? I got to like, and I've, uh, man. I've had some really good good mentors and teachers, and one of them 
uh, distance. I don't know if you know a yeah. lot of a lot He's of people. Great guy, man. A lot of people might know that name, but yeah, uh, I'll tell you, one of the smartest, kindest, uh, and gentle, but yet abrupt in his own way mm-hmm. of how he handles things. Like just makes you think about stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, either God's everything or God's nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Which is in that's my philosophy. So, you know, for that I've taken on and trying to live his will, mm-hmm. you know, God's will. And um, I think it's key. So, you know, going to church even again, mm-hmm. you know, bringing back my Christianity that I, mm-hmm. I got baptized when I was younger and teach their own on, on how they see religious views. But for me, yeah. it's, it's, you know, when I go, when I go into a meeting, um, I get something from that, right? Mm-hmm. And I, when I go in a church, as soon as I walk in those doors, I can't like the love mm-hmm. when I walk in and just the kindness and the caring and the no judgment or anything, mm-hmm. it's there. Like it's abundant. Mm-hmm. And the message I get is incredible. You know, the combination of those two things for me are just powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I, and I truly appreciate it, man. So, you know, if anybody's struggling and anybody thinks they got a problem, mm-hmm. chances are they probably do. Yeah. You know, if you, if you need help, uh, Mr. Larry is here for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Jason is here for you. Right on. And Mr. Carrier. Hey, hey. Or Carrier. Is Carrier. Like, is Carrier, that how you spell yeah. That's, that's, I think that's how it's French Métis, right? Yeah. So. Or are you Métis? Yeah. Well, my, so here's ironic. Like I said, my adopted dad, yeah. Métis. And I could still get my status if I really wanted to. Yeah. But. Well, this guy's matey. Right on. Cool. Knuckle dragon. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how I that's how I was raised, right? With uh with the bannock and you know, my mom was Ger- my mom was German, my dad made tea, but you know, lots of that food, right? Home cooked meals, just man, there's nothing better than a home cooked meal. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um right on, man. like I said. I'm blessed today. I'm living. I'm living a sober life. Mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by, and I keep myself surrounded and grounded by people that are like-minded. Um, and I just and I just try to live right. I do the next best thing, the next mm-hmm. right thing. And I've got these things called steps. Yeah. And there's twelve of them that if I ever do mess up, mm-hmm. I can go back and take a look at it, and with another human being, mm-hmm. and uh, who's like-minded, and yeah. be like, man, where did I mess up? Well, let's go through it. Yeah. Let's figure this stuff out again. Mm. You know, where where are you missing and lacking? Mm. Right? And that's, yeah. once again, doing the work. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, the thing is, you're, you're either doing the work or you're not doing the work, yeah. but you're still spending the same amount of time doing yeah. nothing. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. Yeah, good point. And you're not going to get anything from that, yeah. except for more frustrated, yeah. right? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Doing the work doesn't guarantee a perfect life. Nope. But it sure does. Like, And, and you're a testament to this, man, because in two years – You've done, like you've made salesman of the year, right? Yeah. So and then you went on management. stage and oh, did yeah. comedy. I, I'm not even talking about the management, which is obviously a big deal, but like I'm talking about the comedy thing because that's something that you have to, you really have to reconcile yourself with that. Yeah. Right. With putting yourself out on that limb because comedy's hard at the, at the best of times. Yeah. How did you find that, man? So. He- once again, just yeah. you're right, a God shot type of thing. So following, I was following a gentleman, uh, or how did this, how did it work? There's a gentleman on, on, on Facebook that I've been watching. Um, I can't say his name off by heart, but, uh, and seeing his journey and how he does a lot out of Airdrie with, um, with addictions and depression and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So he asked me if I would come to a school out there and talk. Hmm. And the lady who was running, um, getting all the speakers together. Yeah. PMAST, I think it's called or something. I, I don't know. That's the acronym, but um, Flo's her name. And she, uh, you know, ended up talking to her and she comes by the dealership. She was asking for sponsorship for my GM. I tried to hook that up and get that to her, but it didn't work out. She still promoted me in that way on her on her pamphlet. But then we got talking and she just asked me about my story and we were talking and somehow we got to comedy and she's like, well, I teach and coach it. I'm wow. like, that's on my bucket list. Cool. That's what I want to do. I go, I'm, she goes, well, I'm doing a class. Would you like to join? I go, I'm in, done. Mm. Made that decision right then. Yeah. So we went through about three weeks of training, you know, not straight. Mm. We probably spent honestly a good 10 to 15 hours yeah. on what, what our, what, how to deliver and what we were going to do and yeah. how the jokes were created and with a professional comic. Yeah. Um, and then we went to the laugh shop and uh, in front of about 200 people. So we we all had to have guests, right? So I I uh, I sold everybody got uh, twenty tickets. I sold twenty, like pretty quickly to my friends and other people showed up to help support it because it was for a good cause, right? It was yeah. a charity event too. Yeah. So, but we had cue cards, right? So we read off our cards. It's our first time. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. So I found that it it was it was awesome, you know, just getting that telling the joke, getting the reaction. Playing off the crowd, making small, subtle smiles, laughing mm. more, um, you know. And I, yeah, it's on my. I downloaded it on my Facebook so anybody yeah. can watch it. Oh, cool! Yeah, but it's it's pretty cool. And then uh, afterwards, when I got to my last joke, all I could think about is I want more. Yeah, like literally when I when I rolled my last joke, and um, I think which was something like my agent's calling. I guess the Oilers need. More open tryouts. I'm on my way. <laughs> I think that was my. That's how I end. That's how I end. Because that's how poorly they're doing. They'll take me, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so after I was done, it was like that's. I want more of this. So I just contacted her again to find out when they're going to do an alumni show because I want to get be involved in it, and uh, I'll promote that on Facebook too. But mm. you know, the the future for me looks. You know, if if, if in, a, in a right world for me would be somehow involved in promoting recovery mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a deeper, higher level. Yeah. You know, maybe have a YouTube channel, maybe going around mm-hmm. to recovery centers and interviewing them mm-hmm. and posting that like you're doing a podcast. Yeah. Right. Me going directly to these places. That's just in my mind yeah. of things that I would love to be able to do. Yeah. Do more comedy, you know, just get known and out there mm-hmm. for something. And, but it's all based around recovery. Yeah. So whatever message I'm bringing out, mm-hmm. it's about recovering that it is okay um, to talk about it and it is yeah. okay to be successful, mm-hmm. um, but there's there's work behind it. I just, there's so much fear mm-hmm. in talking about, uh, you know, what I went there, through, what yeah. you went through, um, and, you know, even at our dealership at, uh, you know, where I work, I, I'm going to bring it, I brought it up to uh, the owner. I would like to bring it up to the owner. I'm sorry. I did bring it up to our manager once uh, about, you know, how many hours are lost at, a, at, a, at any place. But automotive, there's a lot of drinking mm-hmm. around that. Yeah. Whether it's sales, it's mechanics, it's service. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of drinking. How many man hours are lost? That Like, I couldn't tell you how many people call in sick. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know, after a payday or on a weekend or yeah. even during the week, you're not feeling well. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I can smell it on people now more so than I yeah. ever could. 
So I get it. I understand it. I know it. And how many man hours are lost to that? Lost. And how many people don't know what the business offers in regards to recovery? Mm-hmm. Because the, every business in a major corporation like that, they own, the, 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 who I work for has 85 dealerships across Canada. Mm-hmm. So I actually was thinking about getting together and putting a plan somehow to be able to go and educate people within the organization mm-hmm. at each dealership singly yeah you know singularly going in and speaking to people yeah uh, whether in a group or one-on-one whatever and just letting them know that if you know what i went through yeah and if anonymously if there's an issue mm-hmm. that they think this is what the, this is what the group offers yeah so there is help you're not living awesome. you're not living alone yeah in this pain um the, the organization of the group that you work for does do this and if you need to get a hold of somebody to talk about it Here's the information and who to contact. So there's always a point of contact with that each dealership. And then they can get that help. So Tower Chrysler gave me a chance, mm-hmm. right? How much money did I make that dealership and myself? Yeah. Not ego driven, but because I got that second chance after I went to recovery. Mm-hmm. If I didn't, right, nobody would have nobody yeah. would have benefit from this new person. Mm-hmm. So there's so many lives that could change for the better. Of course. That could just, you know, what I, see yeah. how my thought is? Well, you mentioned it earlier, the ripples, right? Yeah. It's the ripples, man. Right? So it's just, I'm I'm extremely blessed for what I have today to be here to talk to you and do this. So I thank cool, you for, man. thanks for allowing me to share, man. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for coming, Jason. Yeah, but it's really good to get to know you, man. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, you know what, dude? Like, just keep doing it. Keep doing stuff and you're going to figure out what is your fit, right? And then you take that wherever you can take it, man. Uh, yeah. And when I, what is my fit? Hopefully it's going to be not as tight in the next airplane. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guarantee it, man. The way you're working, uh, it's, it's just a matter of time. Oh, man. that's You know, I'll be honest with you. That was the one thing I was scared about when I got on the plane was because, you know, they talk about buying two seats when you're a big dude. I'm just like, oh, please don't be like that. <clears throat> no, but I was able to fit in there, but it's still a little bit of a tight fit. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, that's kind of like inhumane, I think. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Right? Yeah. Like it's, those seats are small. <laughs> oh yeah, they are. Those seats are not big. Like they're not made for average size people anyway. They're made for like, I don't know, pygmies or something like that. And you know what's, and you know what's funny? Like, you know how God works in mysterious ways? Well, even my trip out there, man, yeah. the, 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 the bloody plane is packed. And I got a great deal, you know, and I'm going, but because of the original flight, I'm going down to Florida, right? So Calgary to Vancouver, Vancouver, Toronto, Toronto, um, Fort Myers. So I, that first leg, right? Mm-hmm. And it took me a day and a half to get to bloody Fort Myers. Like Wednesday, I left Wednesday, I didn't get there till, uh, mm-hmm. like three or 4 p.m. on Thursday. Yeah. Right. So I left Wednesday, you know. Well, and they're what, three hours ahead, too. Yeah. 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 So. That whole trip was uh, at the beginning was crazy. Dude, that's a long way to fly. Just yeah, to get down Florida, I right? know, man. So the original, the so from Vancouver to uh, sorry Calgary to Vancouver, um, plane was booked and nobody in the middle. It's like the only seat where I was sitting, mm-hmm. no one was in the middle. So that was okay. So me and this other person, right? And then from Vancouver to uh, Vancouver to Toronto, once again packed flight. Um, but okay. So I was beside this couple who ended up, uh, saying, well, we'll go over here so you can have more room or one guy, one, the husband left to go into one empty seat over there, mm-hmm. but three in a row. 
so I could have space to sit. That was kind. Nice. Right? Yeah. And then from Fort Myers to, uh, sorry, from Toronto to Fort Myers, um, the back seats all the way in the back were empty normally normally for the the stewardesses. Mm -hmm. Stewardess said you can have them. So even though though I was tight the whole way, apparently things worked out Mm. so I could have comfort and I didn't ask for it. When we get out of the way, man, sometimes nice things happen. I man, it's every day. It's like that. Yeah. Like I notice sometimes when I don't get grouchy and I don't say what I'm thinking or saying, that the person actually like goes out of their way to be kind. Yeah. Which is really nice because it, it, well, obviously some of us need reinforcement to be nice. Like, (laughs) you can't just fucking do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, as the pain mounts. But dude, thanks a lot, man, for coming. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.